world, hello world, hello world. It's your friendly neighborhood podcaster, First G, back with the JNAC podcast. So glad you guys are tuning in on the digital airwaves. Man, I just see the responses, I see the numbers, and just thank you from the bottom of my heart, from the bottom of our heart, that you are tuning in and listening to what we got to say over here at the JNAC podcast. Um, today is another episode of Meet the Pastor, which I started because obviously I want you guys to get to know some of the pastors here at JNAC. And, you know, even if you don't go here, if you don't live here, you don't never even heard of JNAC, you can learn about some of the leadership that we have here at the church and understand how we flow. Um, well, today, um, I, got a, I got a brother. I got a man. I got one of the male pastors on our pastoral staff. Um, I call him the elder statesman because... You know, he he's basically he been here so long, he's a fossil. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean he's old. He's not old. It's just that he started really, really young, you know, like they say in funerals. He he came to Christ at an early age. Um Pastor Derek Capels, how are you? I am well, first G. How you doing? I am Awesome, man. I am awesome, awesome, awesome. Outstanding. I uh I got into this with Fantima uh when we talked. I I, I let the curtain back a little bit about the pastoral meetings <laughs> and some of the shenanigans that happens in these meetings. And I said I I'm probably the culprit in, in most of them. But uh you know, Derek Derek knows about the the meetings and Yes. Uh, we're just crazy here at JNAC. We are we're just a crazy very unique uh, pastoral team. But I think that that's one of the things that make it work so well. Everybody is who they are, and we don't ask you to be anybody different. We just come in there in those meetings, and we, we're we real with each other. And yep. so I think God can use that. Yep. So I I, I threw a little jab. I, I, I wasn't trying to be uh, uh, mean-spirited, but... When I said elder statesman, it's because you've been here for a minute. How many years, when did you, what age did you start coming to JNAC? So believe it or not, I first came to JNAC as a toddler. I was three years old. See y'all, I wasn't lying. My family started bringing me here and I am 50 now, so you can do the math. (laughs) I've been here a few days. (laughs) (laughs) So... Tell us about your journey, man. Like, tell us about growing up, um, where you come from. I mean, as you can tell by the last name, he is in the family of uh, our very own Bishop Capels. Yes. Nephew of Bishop Capels. So you got a a big last name. But um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, probably one of the most unique things is I am a twin. Um, I, I came right. in this world That's with right. somebody else and been <laughs> fighting to be alone. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Forever. But, yeah, I am a twin. Uh, I come from a huge family. Uh, I mean, and so I was. I grew up all around family. And, you know, even leading up to the holidays, it's like, oh, here come my family. So I grew up with a big family. So I learned the value of a family. Um, I grew up uh, in the church you know what I mean? And so uh, uh, there are many uh, different things I can tell you about growing up in the church. It was a different experience. 
Um, and so I just uh, I look back on it now and I love it because I learned a lot of morals and values from uh, growing up in the church. But I grew up in the church in a time where you couldn't do nothing. Right. You couldn't go nowhere. <laughs> Everything was a sin. I thought, Lord God, what type of people going to make it to heaven? Oh, uh, right. So, and we went to church every single day. Every and I day. tell you, every day it was youth service, Bible study, prayer meeting, and everybody in the church went to all of those things. And so it was it was wild, you know. So and I, I always had a question. I always had a question when people say prayer meeting. Was this like a meeting or was this just like you praying? You praying. You okay. come through the door and they give you the prayer request, and people say the same prayer request that they've been saying for, for years. five years. <laughs> it's the same. I'm like, we need to think about this. God ain't moved in that area yet. <laughs> so, and then we pray. But for us kids, it was just time to go to sleep, really. You know, so all of us under the pew sleep right. while the parents is praying. And so, but every Monday night, we was at prayer. Mm-hmm. And then... Tuesday, we was at choir rehearsal. Wednesday, we was at Bible study. I think Thursday was the one day we might have had off because then Friday, we come back for youth service. And then we got to go fellowship with another church. I mean, so it was it was crazy. So what kind of foundation did that lay in you as you look back at it now? Well, you know, it taught me a real love for God. It taught me how to experience God because, you know, while one of those times or two when I woke up, seeing God move uh, in those prayer meetings, seeing lives change, it really uh, put a big foundation in me to know that um, having an experience with God was really real. And it was not just something somebody was talking about. And then it taught me really to care about people. You know what I mean? Because uh, uh, this circle uh, that we had in the church, it was basically all we got to fellowship with. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so it really, uh, uh, lives were woven together. And so it taught me to care about people and things of that nature. Mm, that's awesome. I that mean, is so. awesome. Yeah. Now I look at it and say, it's awesome. But when I tell people like, I didn't go to great America until I was grown. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what I told my wife the other day, we were sitting there watching, uh, the Cosby show, right? Uh, uh-huh. And I had a flashback and remembered when the Cosby show actually came out, I couldn't watch it because <laughs> we couldn't have no TV in the house. But, so, well, you know, well, you know, given uh, all the history that's happened, maybe that was a good thing. But, you know, well, I'm not well, going well, to rag on Bill. Yeah. I'm not going to rag on Bill. Well, <laughs> we didn't know what Bill was doing back then. And so or if he was whatever. You didn't get a chance right. to find out. So yeah. I had to go to school and find out what happened on the Cosby show. Yeah, that's. Mostly everyone y'all know coming up uh, from church then that that's the way that it was, and you know that's not a judgment. It's not it's not a good or a bad thing. It's just what the way that it was. You know they were doing what they. Well, actually, I look at it even as a good thing because people loved God so much Mm -hmm. that anything they thought that. God, they that God wanted them to do, or anything they thought would help them to be in line with God, they were willing to do it. Right. Nowadays, sometimes if you tell people that we're gonna be in service ten minutes longer than we was last yeah. week, they ready to go, ready to turn in. They absolutely not. Like, no, sir. Yeah. So I think that back then, you know, even though we did a lot of things, but you could tell people loved God and wanted to please God. Uh huh. So. so and you came up too, like a lot of the, a lot of the. Some members of leadership, some members of the pastoral team, um, y'all came up in the in the youth group 
back mm-hmm. then. And and even even talking to my wife, I don't, I think she was she was uh some years after you, yeah. but you was y'all was around that time, so y'all had a a pretty lit youth group, didn't you? Oh. Led by Elder Larkins, right? Absolutely, our youth group was called Youth Alive, uh-huh. and I'm gonna tell you why it was so dynamic for us. Because, like I told you, we couldn't do nothing outside the church, right? So we built such a bond with each other in in the church, and then when Elder Larkins was there. He opened up the door where we could travel and go to different youth conventions. And so we thought this was wonderful. But what it did is it it, it made some life bonds, you know what I mean, with people that, that I still talk with today because of that, that experience. It helped us also go through a lot of things that you go through in your youth years. You know what I mean? We had somebody to talk to and whatnot. So it, it, it was great. I heard some stories about Yo, some trips listen. Uh, in the hotel rooms. Oh, listen. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what. Man, I remember Elder Larkins busting in doors left and right. What yep. you doing in here? That's... Who you with? Da, da, da. <laughs> I mean, so it was it was an adventure, you know what I mean? And now we look at it, and I look at Pastor Tiffany and some of the other ones, and I be like, God, show is good, because he done brought us a mighty long way. Mm-hmm. So. And I'd be remiss uh, not to mention your other half. Mm-hmm. Shout out Shantina. Yeah, um, you been... guys been married how long? 27 years. 27 years. 27 did you, years. Did you meet her in church, out of church? I met Shantina when she was five years old. She was the Wait little cousin. <laughs> no, she, let me explain it. Okay. She was the little cousin to my friend. So wow. I met her, but I didn't know her because she was, you know, several years younger than me. And so I'll tell you what happened. I used to be over the sound uh, ministry in the church, and I think I was about 17, maybe t- maybe turning 18, somewhere around in there, maybe even 19, but she came in the sound uh, room to talk to my aunt, and all of a sudden, I had one of those milk does a body good moments. I ain't never heard this it's story. It's like <laughs> I seen her for the first time, I'm like, what's your name? And then it just, I don't know. And then ever since then, you know, uh, we've been together. So it's 27 years. We have three sons. We have three grandkids. And my wife still keeps me laughing. Anybody that know my wife know that she is a jokester every single day, all day. I know. She probably going to judge your your top five movies when we get into that later. Man, listen, she be cracking on me and people be like, do your wife love you? I'm like, listen, <laughs> if you don't, if you stand too close, you're going to get it too. Yeah, shout out to yeah, y'all, man. Right. I, I see y'all all the time yeah. uh, dressing up alike, twinning yeah. out there. So man, it's I, a lovely I, I, thing. I, it's, it's wonderful to, after all these years, be in love. Yeah. You know, some, some relationships are just existing. And God has done some wonderful things uh, uh, through our years. There's been some ups and downs. But at this point, I mean, it is, we're, we're riding, doing well. That's awesome. So, when you look back coming up all these years, um, you made a pretty bold proclamation before I turned the before I turned the tape on. Um, oh, I sound like Bishop now, not the tape. When I started recording, wow, you old school the tape. <laughs> but uh, you you said you probably the longest tenured JNAC member in the church. Yeah, I've been trying to think about it. So I've been here what now forty seven, almost forty eight years. So I'm trying to think. Who has been here longer than that? Only a few people come to mind that are still 
here. So if I'm not the oldest, I'm in the top three. Yeah. So, so you've seen a lot. Yes. So this question is probably best suited for you. <laughs> How has JNAC changed over all the years? Oh, my goodness. Wow. So over the years, JNAC has had four uh, different pastors. Uh, pastor Tiffany is the fourth pastor. So we had Pastor Zerung, who was our founding pastor. Uh, the church was founded in 1960. And during that time, it was just a small, small, small congregation. Right. You know what I mean? And as I said, that was a time we went to church every day. And you know what I mean? And and it was a lot of things that was they just holiness by outward stuff that you did, the type of dress you wore, the this and that. And so it was a lot of things uh, like that. But one thing during that time period that people said the most is they were drawn to our church because how people loved them mm-hmm. when they came through the door. So during that time, it was a small, close-knit uh, uh, congregation, and so uh, uh, it was it was interesting. Then Pastor Dawson, who was our second pastor after— Pastor Zero and Shout God. out Elder Dawson. Uh, absolutely, Elder Dawson. Um, Jesus' name. <laughs> <laughs> I like the last time he get it. He said Jesus' name, yeah. Elder Dawson in the yes, house. Yes, and I told that I told, was outstanding. I told Tiff. I said he was he ad libbed that. Yes. Ooh, it was, was it was so good. That was right on. And so, um, funny thing is, Pastor. Uh, Dawson used to be my Sunday school teacher uh, uh, many years ago. And so when he became pastor, I was like, wow. So he was pastor, and that was when the church was, you know, going through its first real transition from the founding pastor to another pastor. And so it was— Because uh, Pastor Zero passed away unexpectedly, right? Passed away unexpectedly. Uh, um, I think we came, I never will forget, it was in March because it was right around my wife's birthday and we came to, uh, I, I think he ministered Wednesday night Bible study and went home Yeah. after that and, and just passed. I mean, yeah. and so that was that was real weird because you grew up thinking Pastor Zerong is the one that's going to marry you and, yeah, yeah. and baptize your kids and stuff. And so then for that, have that thought that, oh, wait a minute. And so uh, Elder Dawson continued a lot of his, uh, uh, Pastor Zeron's traditions and things. And so he pastored for about three years. And then my uncle came home, mm-hmm. and who is now Bishop Capels, but was Pastor Capels at that time. And he flipped everything upside down. Sure did. And so he came and he had the where family comes first uh, slogan, but what that meant, because like I told you, we went to church every day, and if you wasn't in our clique, we didn't really associate with you. And he came to uh, canceling service and saying, "Go home and love on your family. Yeah. Go home and be an example to your family. Spend time with your family." So that grew the church a lot, and uh, then we came to a place where he would minister to in places and to populations that. Uh, uh, before this, we had ministered to. He went to the on base to the rehabs, and he went to different things. And so we begin to get a flood of people that was recovering from addiction and different things like that. So the church began to grow even the more. It really was a come as you are uh, type of ministry. And so then all of a sudden, it wasn't a small church no more. Right. You know what I mean? And so it was a large church, became the largest church uh, in Lake County. And then the number one thing that I can say about my uncle as a pastor is change. 
every time you came through the door, a wall used to be here. It wasn't there no more. You, you, you know, know what I mean? How many times you I've heard that? Yeah, I'm telling you, and it was just like. And he was a hands-on person yep. when it came to change. He'd be, He'd be down be here, knocking the walls put down. his overalls on. Whenever he put his overalls on, we knew, <laughs> oh, something to get knocked down, built up. But he was teaching us about advancing and growing. And then he he really uh, sent home ownership. We bought the church, and people began to buy houses. And so it was a real time of growth and, and learning, and then that brings us up to our Pastor Peppers. Who that is, might be my favorite. Yeah, yeah, I think you might, you know, <laughs> might be a little biased in that. But, uh, uh, and she's been just awesome in terms of just growing multiple levels of leadership and just, and, and, and leading us into a kingdom, uh, a, a mindset. So I'm really excited right now about uh, where the church is going because of where it's been. So... Even in talking about the church, how have you changed through well, all that? I think that I have, uh, well, I'll tell you this. My mindset of church has changed because, like I said, when I was a kid, it was only a few people, and then we didn't associate with nobody else, you know what I mean? And so it was like, uh, but then as the church changed and it became more inclusive and it became more inviting, that was exciting for me because we would see different type of people. Yeah. So I think that it has caused me to be more of a people person. I walk, I, maybe I got it from my uncle. I'll walk up and talk to anybody. We can hold a conversation. And I think that is because I learned in the church to, to uh, really love uh, uh, people. I've also learned that, God can do anything he wants to do. Mm -hmm. He can take somebody that was whatever you, the worst thing you can think in your mind. And through his, through having an experience with him, they can be owner of a business. They can be successful in their family. Amen. So I, I, my faith has grown in, in that regard. Uh, so awesome. Awesome. So um, before I get into uh, being ordained, um, you started preaching well before that uh when is the do you remember the first time you started preaching absolutely and i'll okay. tell you how it became how it happened okay so we used to have these men's meeting and it was kind of where we would decide what was going to happen in the men's department what event we were going to do and so um, there were leaders of the department and and pastor was also in the room at the time. And I'm just off in the cut in the corner, happy that they let me come in the meeting, you know, young man. And so I'm just sitting there. How old was you? I was, what was it, 2001? How many years ago was that? Uh, that's like 22, 23, so, 22, 23. So with that, I was about 26, 27, okay. somewhere in there. So I'm sitting in the room, just happy to be in there. And... Uh, they're planning the Father's Day service. Uh -huh. And they said, well, who's going to preach the Father's Day service? You preach the Father's Day service? And somebody said, well, let's let Derek speak. <laughs> now I'm like, what? I, I'm, I'm just happy to be in this room. You ain't never spoke before. I had never preached a formal message. I had MC service. Uh -huh. I had been up in front of the people. I had ran various programs and different things like that. But actually getting up, drawing a text... Or whatever, but God had been dealing with me about preaching, yeah. and so you know what I mean. When I look, I wasn't surprised after the shock, yeah, yeah, went off. But they said that, and then I thought Bishop was gonna be or Pastor was gonna be like, Oh no, well, I'm going, and he was like, Okay, 
All right. <laughs> so that's how when I preached my first sermon, Father's Day, two thousand one. You remember? You remember the sermon? Absolutely. We'll never forget it. It was called "Assume the Position." Okay. And it was talking about the devil can't come in and bind the house except for he first bind the strong man. So All if you right. assume the position, then he can't have, wreak havoc in your house. So <laughs> preach home, preacher. So yeah, it, it was that exciting. is that's wild. So I always wanted to ask you this: mm-hmm. growing up, Capels, I don't know what what did y'all have a big relationship you and you and Bishop coming up. Well, I mean, I know, I know you guys were. But what's the age difference? Like, so seventeen years, I think. Okay. is the difference. Okay, so did you have a so un- uncle nephew relationship when Bishop came in the church was um, um, uh, nineteen eighty, and he was quickly elevated into youth pastor. He was that for about six months, under a year, I think. And then he started to travel and speak. So he was my idol growing up because I had never really knew anybody uh, uh, that, you know what I mean, was was traveling the world and doing those type of things. And so uh, most of the time I seen him when he would come back in town or whatever like that. That yeah. was my growing up experience. And so when I turned 17 was when he came back to the church. And then once he came back to the church, I got closer with him, just watching him and how he was conducting church and what he was doing in that regards. And so I would spend a lot of times because I was with him when he would go to other churches to preach and minister. And I learned so much yeah. from him being with him on those times and whatnot. And and so, I mean, a lot of what I do and how I carry myself in life is because of lessons that I learned with him in the car driving, going yeah. here and there. And so I think that uh, he has been a very big uh, influence on my life. So what I want to ask, like I said, I've always wanted to ask you this. I don't know if I've asked you this before. Mm-hmm. Um, when you started preaching, um, and and like I said, you you have been preaching for, for a minute, um, what pressure speak to the people who come up like you got the last name bishop capels was obviously you know it, for those listening in our area bishop capels everybody knows bishop capels in this area um speak to the person coming up like you who had the name in same uh, profession so to speak um did you did you ha- deal with any pressures that came with that or uh, expectations, comparisons, stuff like that? Well, I'm going to tell you this story of why I stopped playing high school football. Okay. And then I will go into answering I know, that. I think I know where you're going now. So I played uh, uh, in Zion, and I was pretty good because I was fast. What position? And so I was wide receiver. Okay. And So, so was I, he. Yeah, yeah, you know where I'm going. Yeah, and so ended up having the same coach, same coach that he had, and he was a superstar. Yeah, right. Yeah, scholarships, going to college, whatever. He was a superstar for the school in football. Yeah, me, I was good and thought I could be real good, but the coach thought, oh, I got another one. Right, I got another one, and so I'm running. And I'm beating everybody else in the pack. But he'll look at me, K, 
Cables, why are you dogging it? I'm about to pass out. I'm about to, <laughs> what are you talking about? So then I was like, enough of this. I'm not doing that. And so that was probably the first time that I was kind of coming up uh, behind him in that. How'd that make you feel? Well, you know, in football, I just felt like, you're not seeing me for who I am and what I could be. You just trying to relive your glory of what happened right. with him. I mean, and so it was like, okay, I don't really want to be in that space, so I'm going to go do something different. It was a little different in church. Mm-hmm. Bishop is and, and always has been a di- dynamic speaker. Mm-hmm. But I learned early on with that part of it is that's God. Right. So my goal with that was be in the spirit and let God do what he's going to do. Right. You know what I mean? I was not fearful of being in front of people. I knew how to talk because every Caples knows how to talk. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? It was study to show myself approved. So I had the scripture. I prayed. So then I was like, God, you're going to do what you're going to do. So the, the pressure of preaching wasn't what the pressure of. The pressure was character. Yeah. Being... Uh, uh, who you needed to be because everybody know Bishop. Bishop is a person of character. Yeah. He did things just because it was the right way to do it and whatnot. And I'm like, Lord, I don't know if I'm I'm built like that. You right, know what right. I mean? And so I think that that was probably my hardest part of it in, in, in coming up uh, in, in, in his shadow or whatever was he was a great man of character and I had a few flaws that I had to work through. Yeah. And, and so that was, yeah. So you, uh, it's been about almost two years. It'll be two years in April that mm-hmm. we was ordained, um, the pastoral group, the associate pastors and senior pastor. Um, you've been ordained before, obviously, deacon, uh, what, what it was. Elder. Elder. Um, but this past, uh, well, about, about a year and a half or so, um, we were ordained pastor, um, how has what changes have you experienced yourself with mentally, spiritually, well, since being ordained with the title of pastor? I will tell you one thing that we have all experienced. Mm-hmm. There is about a hundred meetings a month now. <laughs> me and Father me and Father <laughs> talked about I'm this. I'm like, we meeting on the meeting of the meeting to decide when we go meet. So there's a I you know, love my wife, but yes, yeah. it's a lot well, of Well, it's a growing ministry. God is doing awesome things. Yeah. So I know why we have a lot of meetings, but I'd be like, Lord <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. So yeah, but no, for real, uh what has really happened in me? is God has just increased my responsibility to people. Mm. When I look at people, it's not the same anymore. Yeah. You know, when I was just a preacher, you could preach a hot message and go on about your business yeah. and not, Lord, hive it, hit them, it hit them, yeah. or whatever. But now when you are caring for people, it's a real responsibility. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm invested in people doing better yeah. and whatever that means. So individuals, groups that I oversee, it's really about their soul yeah. and how they are advancing in their families and different things. So the, the biggest change for me is I've, I've, I've started to really invest in how people are doing in their time and, 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 and you know, wanting to see them do better. I really uh, began to work in the area of of the church and how it's viewed in the community and helping the community to see the the resource that the church can be 
And so just really, you know, about impacting people's life. I mean, man, I, I agree 100%. I was talking to Bishop um, about a week ago when we was out of town, and he 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 asked me the same question, like, you know, what, what's been different? And that's the same thing I said is that is the people. It, it's like um, I'll, I'll get men now just come up to me because I'm – um, first gentleman, first G, pastor, what, whatever you want to call me. And, and it's like I've never, you know, I might have never even spoken to them like that before, but but that that sense of now people look up to you and you all of a sudden carry that heart for the people. And I'm not saying that a, I didn't. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I think it's a, and this is what I experienced, it is a trust that people are, that they have and they're gaining for us that I know that you are participating in caring for my soul. Absolutely. And so I'm opening up to be able to receive that, you know what I mean? And so I think just the connection with uh, people just... Uh, 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 being vulnerable to you, you know what I mean, is is a new experience uh, um, since, because I believe it like this. I believe that with ordination comes certain levels of anointing. Mm-hmm. I could have probably encountered that same person, but not having a pastoral anointing, yeah. I would have dealt with them differently. Their response to me would have been differently. Yeah. So I believe that when that ordination and that just flow of anointing happens, it allows uh, that space to be a, 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 a different type of space. Yeah. So you mentioned um, shining a light on a resource that the church could be in a community because community, church and community, I think is it should be linked together. I mean, that, that's the whole that's the whole point of kingdom. Um, getting into one of your passions, uh, trauma. Um, if you guys don't know out there. Pastor Derek now is heading up. He's part of uh, Live Free. Um, he's heading up a program that uh, Jane Ack is starting, which is a Live Free uh, uh, branch. Um, talk about that for a little bit, because I know I'm going to get into a little bit of trauma, because I know that's that's mm-hmm. one of your passions. But mm-hmm. talk about um, Live Free, what it is, and and. So, so Live Free, there is a Live Free USA, there is a Live Free Illinois, and then now there is a Live Free uh, Lake County. And so Live Free looks at our community and they see various injustices that take place. And they are an organization that is geared toward helping uh, the community help itself in some of these areas of injustice. And so uh, one of their strong beliefs is that um, the church needs to be involved in this. Sometime in the church, we will act like it's just we stay inside our walls and right. it don't happen to us. It don't touch us. Right. But who are the people that is affecting? It's right. our nephews. It's our sons. It's our daughters. And so what Live Free wants to do is empower the church to be able to be a voice uh, and, and be a part of change that needs to take place in the community. So they have a lot of different uh, ways in which they do that. And so one of the ways that they want to affect the community is they have a community healing resource center. And what I've learned is that everybody, no matter who you are, 
you have been touched some type of way by trauma, directly or indirectly. So what this center is all about, it is having services to heal our community. So those affected directly or indirectly, we have services for you. We have uh, uh, case management. We just help you sometimes navigate through your life and what you need and what resources you need and how to go forward with that. We have uh, individual family counseling uh, professional counselors will help you to navigate through some of your traumas. Let me say this real quick about one of the reasons that I that I uh, am so have a heart for trauma is I went my life and I went 40 years and I was following uh, 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 all the things that I should do in the church and I was moving from one level to the next and whatever. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, well, not really out of nowhere, but all of a sudden anyway, um, my life was torn apart. I mean, me and my wife was out, uh, at odds. Mm -hmm. I was me in the church and everything. I'm like, Lord, I'm leaving everything. And Mm -hmm. so it just, my life just really exploded. You know what I mean? And so as I was in that space, I began to cry and I began to just travail before the Lord. What happened? What's going on with me? And what I found out is the Lord took me back to, I was, when I was five years old, Mm-hmm. And showed me, brought something to my mind that happened to me and said, at that point, your life took another direction in the sense that I spent most of my life trying to make people like me, trying to make people think I was good, trying to make. So that trauma altered who I was and who I was to be. And it showed up in many, 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 many areas of my life mm-hmm. all the way to the point that it exploded my life. And in order to put things back together, I had to go back to that moment, let God heal that moment, and then get back on the right road. And now God you, has you been. preaching now. Oh, man, I'm telling you. You're preaching now. Because this is my life. God has restored so much to me and done such a marvelous work in my life. I want this for other people. Mm-hmm. And so this center, it really uh, gives us an avenue to reach out and touch people. We do things like healing circles, pop-up, support groups, all of these different things we're going to have coming online. And it's open to the community, to anybody in the community that's dealt with trauma. Mm-hmm. So what um, you said you've dealt with your share of trauma, obviously, you know, th- there's a lot into yes. your story. Yes. Um. What after effects has trauma left you with, would you say, now? So I think that now it causes me to second guess what is happening in my life. Mm-hmm. And because the trauma, the way that it affected me is I, I would always feel like I was less than because I wasn't chosen the way that I felt I needed to be chosen as a child. So I always felt like I had to do show somebody what they wanted to see. So I was living life not even necessarily doing what I wanted to do. Right. I would do what make you happy because I needed to feel that feeling, you know what I mean? And so a lot of things I was involved in, a lot of people I associated with didn't have anything to do with who my authentic self was, it was the effect of that trauma playing over and over in my head. And so that's what happens to us all is that we don't recognize. I'll tell you another story that's that's funny with that. I grew up and my mother is afraid of cats. All right? Bobby don't like cats. No, 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 no. Because when she was a little girl, a cat bagged her into a dryer that was hot, and it burned her leg. (laughs) So when we were born all my life, we have ran from cats. All my life. We see a cat, 
program to run because my mother say run. Uh-huh. I was a grown man. Running from- I pulled up <laughs> in the garage, and it was a cat in there. All my adult grown 250-pound <laughs> self said, run. And I said, what? Wait a minute. But I didn't recognize that even that funny type of trauma had an effect on my life, who I was, shaped my thought process. So that's what trauma does. And so a lot of people are not living who they are. They're not experiencing life the way that God wants them to because they're reacting from a place of trauma. And that's funny because you tell that story and it's like, uh, that's a perfect segue into like trauma isn't necessarily defined by one thing a trauma trauma is a multitude of things like even that instance of having the issue with your mother and she passing along that to you uh trauma about a cat and and it's like trauma doesn't have to be um you know well i was physical or you know it could be physical it could be mental it could be spiritual it could be a whole lot of things and and i think it's important to know when you say trauma um, even with the live free, the work that you're doing, it, you can deal with people on a multitude of things. Not that people, you don't have to think, oh, no, that's not for me. I, I don't have trauma. Well, you probably do. So our types of trauma can be different a thousand different ways. Yeah. But the effects of trauma. Absolutely. They tap into the same emotion. They tap into fear. They tap into abandonment. They tap into all this low self-esteem. All of these things come from that trauma. And then trauma has a way of living and growing. Because I am fearful because this thing happened to me, now I'm not going to step out in maybe a gift that God has given me. So that trauma is not just affecting me back then, it's growing and affecting the things and the thought process that I have even today. And so that's the thing that I want uh, churches or, or, or people that, that deal with people to be trauma-informed. That is a powerful statement. That means when I come to talk to you, I'm recognizing you may be acting the way that you're acting because of the trauma. So we don't ask the question, what's wrong with you? We ask the question, what's happened to you? So we, we recognize that certain triggers and things happen to you. And when they happen, you right there back in that space. And so I can't judge where you're at. I have to be able to look and say, how can I help to give you the tools to get beyond that? Does church as a whole, how do you think they've dealt with trauma? Well, in time past, we probably haven't dealt with it so good because church can be one of the most judgmental places. Absolutely. You shouldn't be doing that. And if you that, you're not uh, 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 saved and you're not. Yeah. And so we take things that, like I said, have happened to people and they're reacting to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why is that girl out there chasing all them boys? Something happened right. in her life. So sometime in church, we would focus on, okay, she's just doing that. So she's a sinner or whatever like that. Yeah. So I think that that sometimes hinders Uh, us from doing ministry. That's why I'm excited now when I'm dealing with churches and helping them to say we have an opportunity to really, you know, get people to trust us, create the right environment, make them safe, and help walk them through how to, you know, uh, get beyond what's happened to them. One of the things, one of the stigmas being broken that I see, you know, obviously in my 
limited view is um you know I, the the term uh, uh Jesus and a therapist you know mm. that, oh, I the, love it. those on t-shirts and I yeah that that wasn't oh, talked no. about before but I mean, now it's like yeah I I I can I have my church I have a relationship with the Lord and I also have a therapist and so people don't understand that God has given people many ministries mm-hmm. we Take ministry as like, I'm the usher, I'm in the choir, so I got ministry. No, that brilliant mind that God has given you to be able to help people, that's God. That's ministry. And so all of these, just like going to a doctor, that's ministry. God has equipped them with that mind, and God gets the glory out of all of it. You know what I mean? And so we need to recognize, first we need to take away the stigma. Everybody has trauma directly or indirectly. So yeah. we all on a level playing field on I that. Agree. I you agree. You no worse than me. I'm no worse than you. It's just do we have the skills to cope with it? Yeah. And so that's the thing. So once we recognize that and take the stigma out of that, then we'll take the stigma out of the things that help us to deal with it and get better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just in dealing with multiple situations that we've dealt with, it's like, Trauma's everywhere, and it just seems like it's coming up more and more. You know, people are dealing with a multitude of things, and and as the church, you know, we just we we gotta understand that. That's why you know it, it's so great what we're doing and what you starting with this live free program. So I think sky's the limit with that. Absolutely, yeah. I'm I'm excited. You know, it's one of those things when you know that something is ordained of God and God begins to continue to move in it and you just want to see God get the glory and, and people get help. And 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 so I'm, I'm excited about it. So talk to the people if they're listening. Um, what what is Live Free is not only here or is so, it in no, other so areas? It is Live Free USA, which is the national chapter, and they are doing big things. See, Live Free is also involved in... Uh, uh, fighting for just laws. Mm -hmm. And so uh, one of the things that we, through our partners, were able to fight for, did you know that there was a law that if you were a felon, you couldn't be the executor of your your family's estate. So if your dad died or whatever and named you as the executor, you could not be. I think I did know that one. And so through Live Free uh, uh, um, and his partners, uh, that law has been changed. And so there's a law we're fighting right now is the uh, clean slate law, which is saying that once people do their time and they have paid their debt to society and they get free from uh, uh, the judicial system, then their records should be sealed or, or, or expunged or whatever from day one. So it's, you know, people, when they come back, they don't have certain barriers. They can get a job. They can get housing. They can get different things. And so this is a, the, the law that we're trying to see Pass right now. So Live Free works to see laws pass. Live Free works to get resources made available to the to uh, 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 different areas of the United States. So they work with Congress and they write bills and they do different things to make sure that we have the foundation to see change happen in different communities. One of the laws I just found out about, you know, I was just talking with the representative from the state's attorneys that just left. Um, she was talking about the red flag mm-hmm. laws, where um, if someone is going through a mental episode, mm-hmm. then they can have their weapons mm-hmm. removed temporarily. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't even know that was a. I didn't even know that was a thing. I mean, and so it's so. And this is the thing too: is that 
when we work independently, all these organizations, the legal system, when we work independently, we only take from our viewpoint. And we make decisions based on that. But if we can get in a room, churches and organizations and whatever, and have certain conversations, I believe we're going to come out with the best answer that we can have. And so that is part of the work that Live Free also does is we do what's called regional tables. Let's all sit down at the table. Here are our top four things that are affecting our community. Let's everybody weigh in. Let's talk about it. By the time we leave this, let's have an answer. Let's have a direction. And and, and, who, and, and who's at the table in those? So at the table is everybody from uh, 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 police. It's everybody from uh, different community organizations, mm-hmm. churches, uh, uh, just people from the community. You know what I mean? It's it's representative of all different sides to be able to, to have conversations. And so... Um, to come up with what is best and then to find out if there are some injustices. If there are some injustices, then we work, we organize to be able to to deal with that, to be able to speak and give the people a voice to speak uh, about how they feel about certain things. So, so it's the holiday season, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of times trauma is most prevalent around this time. Um well, how do you talk to people who, you know, holidays always, people, you know, they got the commercials and everybody's smiling and happy, but a lot of people, for a lot of people, the holidays is is a horrible time. And it is because it just brings their uh, their loss uh, to light and, and they're missing their loved ones. Yeah. So we have a program that we call peer-to-peer support. And what we do with that is we just simply bring people that's been through it. Yeah. People that's lived through it, and we just encourage each other. We just love on each other. Sometimes there is not just an immediate answer that's right. going to change your life, but sometimes having somebody just to look you in the face and say, I understand. I've been there. I'm supporting you. I'm praying. We, we can walk this thing together because trauma comes in waves. Yeah. You could be fine one day going on about your business, and one thing triggers. Yep. Pastor did an outstanding message called uh, uh, Trauma Triggers and, and Triumphs. Triumph. Yep. And so you could be going, and you, the smell, the sound of a music, anything can, can flash you back right to that moment of yep. trauma. So it comes in waves, and so we build a support uh, group that helps to deal with that and share testimonies and things yeah. of that nature. And and we just want people to know we, we're we there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Until we can figure out how to get you tools or whatever, we're just going to love on you. All right, Derek. Well, I done loved on you long <laughs> enough. Uh, yes. This was fun, man. Man, This I, you was know really, what? really fun. I love my pastors. I think I'm going to take over this podcast. Where my, where my, I think it's going to be First G <laughs> and Derek C. I mean, we're going to come up with a with a good name. And you tell me who we interviewing next, buddy, you know, because I think I like this space. Well, well before we go, um, y'all know how I do podcast listeners. Top five movies. I, I, every guest... I've started to ask, um, I want to end with their top five movies. And Santina probably going to hear this. So, so Oh, she already know. Oh, she know your list. Oh, she okay. already okay. know because okay. I'm does watching it, one of them uh, every so often. Does it so. fluctuate? I no. think I think I know one of them. Well, no. Which one do you think you know? I think I know one of them. I'm going to wait until you I'm wait until you list it. Okay. So, uh, rules. Um, it could be in order. You mm. can list them in order if you want. It doesn't have to be in order, but you got to pick five. 
Okay. Uh, Tammy, uh, the first uh, person, Tammy Moore, when I had her on, she picked seven. And I was like, see, we cheating already. Ain't no the rules. We cheating already. So top five movies, if you want to order them, you can. So I am doing them in order. Okay. Okay. So we're going to start with five. So five is Coming to America. I love it. Loved coming to America. I love it. I just, you know, I I wanted them coats, you know, when they first showed up (laughs) in America. And then I wanted the one that- What is this, velvet? Right. I wanted the one that the king had on with the big lion, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, yeah, that was- Who going to clean up all these flowers? That's right. So I love that movie. Um, Number four would be Remember the Titans. Really? Yes, I, I just that movie moves me. So whenever You're killing I, me, Petey. Well, whenever I feel like I'm just you know uh, uh, down or whatever, something is in front of me. I watch that movie and I feel inspired. You got so, a favorite scene? Um, I think it's just the, the scene when he says, "Make sure they forever remember the night they played the Titans." Yeah, yeah. It's the, like yeah, okay, we I finna give that. it. Yeah, goosebumps. goosebumps. And, and yes, yeah. I mean, and so that yeah, that's my number four. I like when he came into the gym when they first uh, started, and he he was talking to Petey, and he was like, "You," he's like, "With the fun message, it's like, is this fun?" It's like, "Yes, no, no." Are you sure? It's, right? Are you? Let me know. I'm Coach Boone, and I'm gonna let y'all know how much fun we gonna have. <laughs> so I think my my other scene is when uh, the big white guy. Start singing yeah, like yeah. Rev. I know you won't leave me. I said, "Oh my goodness, soul so, brother." Yeah. yeah, I loved it. All so, right. Um, so what? Number three is Shawshank Redemption, and <sighs> I think I—that's probably the movie I've watched the most. I don't know what it is. Uh, uh, yeah, you got to uh, tell uh, me what it is. Well, I think that it is the fact that he didn't let other people determine who he was and what the fate of his life was. You know what I mean? He knew what he did and circumstances had him in a place. So I always feel inspired that believe in yourself and just, you know what I mean? Wherever you at today, don't determine where you may end up tomorrow. That one, I mean, so. that one is all is a, an acclaimed movie. Yeah. And I just, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, I so I, it. I think it's just a, just a real... Uh, uh, story that people can connect to, you know okay. what I mean, in terms of being confined and and how things can happen to you, and you ain't even do it. It's just life happening to you. Somebody coined the phrase "life lifing," right? You know life what I mean? And you turn life around and like, what in the world? Yeah, you know what I mean. And so I think that, uh, and he always had a plan. You know what I mean? And it was like, it seemed like okay, he just in here for life. But whatever the situation, like I like the scene on the roof, they 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 took a bunch of the prisoners and they had them to go tar a roof. Yeah. You know what I mean? But he took it and, and caused it to where they could have some beers up on the roof. And yeah. just any situation, he was able to turn it around and make it uh, more. This is a shout out to uh, Eddie Dufresne. Eddie Dufresne. Is that his yes, name? Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Andy Dufresne. Andy. Yeah, yeah, Andy, Andy Dufresne. Dufresne. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that was that. My next movie, my number two movie, All right. is The Rock. Sean Connery and The Rock. Nah, and I'm, uh, I'm not with you. you know what I mean? I, I just I love that movie because it's a lot of uh you gotta have a certain sense of humor, you know what I mean, to see how funny he is and Nicolas Cage in this movie, you know what I mean? But I think I like underdog situations. 
were situations where, you know, you ain't getting out of this. And then all of a sudden, you get out of it or whatever. So that is that is my I number two. I ain't with you, but I think I'm with you. All right. So I think your number one okay. is life. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what Absolutely. I Absolutely. I think life is a comedic genius. I think that they did it well. Uh, with Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence. So I've I've always I love life. And I think life is one of the last great comedic performances from Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. one of the last. Mm-hmm. So last time he was really, really funny. Right. Right. So yeah, I love life. Uh, you gonna and eat so, your cornbread, all of that. What, one what's of your, the, one ahead. of my favorite scenes, uh-huh. it's a weird scene, but it is the time when they all sitting there. And he asked him to read the mail. I love it. Yes. And so he starts reading the mail, and this one died, and that one died, and oh, wait a minute, that one died, and yeah, your dog died. Yeah, the dog and died. And then too. the funny part is, he gets done, because the man is just like, okay, yeah, but he's not phased by none of it. I mean, he's just like, okay, yeah, uh huh, all right. And then he turns around, Eddie Murphy turns around, and is like, Anybody else want me to read some mail? No. No, no, no. So I think it's. And then I'm telling you, I I ain't no bootlegging, licking uh, trustee. Oh, man. So, yeah, I, I really. I love when he got the, the money taken and uh, he said, well, where's that waitress that was working here? What waitress? Oh, you don't know who waitress I'm talking about, huh? Next time I come, on, next time I come in here. The one I start whooping on, Yeah. <laughs> And then I, I use this phrase all the time when I'm talking to guys and I try to encourage them to just get a little swagger about themselves. I tell them, you know from the way I walk, I ain't from around yeah, here. I ain't from around here. I mean, so, yeah. So that movie, just, I laugh at that. I don't laugh at a lot of movies because yeah. some comedy is just, just like, okay, yeah, that's not funny. But that movie, I laugh at all the time. I, I enjoy it all the time. Good list. So, Good list, man. Well, thank you for joining me on uh, the JNAC podcast, sir. It has truly been a pleasure, man. Yeah, man. And uh, everybody listening, thank you guys for tuning in. Obviously, uh, check out the podcast wherever you get them. Uh, Apple, Spotify, um, the JNAC app, the JNAC website, wherever. We love the numbers we're seeing. And I hope you guys uh, continue to... Uh, get the word out. Um, if you haven't, subscribe and uh, leave us a comment. Again, I tell you all the time, if it sucks, tell us it sucks. Well, not, not not this one because, you know, my viewing audience out there, let's make this the highest uh, uh, viewed one. Yeah, tell right. somebody yeah, else, let's do you that. know what I mean, let's to go watch it. Because I believe I got a viewing population yeah, well, or a hearing well, they, population. I was going to say, they got to hear it. Well, a hearing it. population. <laughs> Well, again, man, uh, you guys, uh, we're in the holiday season. Enjoy. Hope you guys are enjoying the holidays. And again, if you are not, uh, understand that you are not alone. Um, reach out to who you need to reach out to and know that we love you. And there's always someone who's willing to help. Um, but again, thank you guys for tuning in. And we will see you next time. This is your friendly neighborhood podcaster. First G, signing off. See y'all next time.